What's up, everybody? This is the Postdoc PT Experience, episode 39. I'm your host, Dr. Nick Gula, and our guest this week is a return guest, Dr. Antonio Lombardo. If you guys remember all the way back to episode 11, Antonio was with us just starting his residency journey at New York's Institute of Technology and accompanied with professional PT. Antonio is now over six months into his residency. He's really grown a lot. It's been cool to see that. And we talk about that on this podcast. You get to see some of the perspective changes that he's had. You get to see some of the perspective changes that I've had throughout my fellowship experience. We talk about this. We talk about classification systems, not only treatment style, but learning style classification systems. We touch on a little bit of healthcare literacy and where we think postdoc PT is going to go. So hope you guys enjoy the episode. I know we did. And if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please leave it on our social media page or send us an email with our link provided in the podcast website. So without further ado, I give you the postdoc PT experience. What's happening, Antonio? Round two, baby. What's going on, Nick? Good to see you again. Good to see you too, man. How's everything going? Well, uh, you know, it's it's going really well. Things are uh, things are busy around here in Columbus, but you know, oh. we're making do. How about you? Nice. Yeah, everything's going in well in New York. Uh, you know, the COVID outbreak is starting to die down now, which is really nice. And uh, you know, the freedom's just about there, so everyone's feeling good. Weather's feeling good, so it's it's going all well here. Very nice. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming back on the podcast. It's been a while. I think you were looking back on my notes. You were episode eleven. Yeah, man, it's been some time, man. Learned a lot, you know. Been through some things, so it's good to be back. And thank you for having me back again. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. You're almost on episode forty now. I know that's insane, man. You guys are growing so much. I'm so proud of you guys. Trying to listen to as many as I could. You guys are killing it. Very nice job. We're working. We're working. So, uh, yeah. so, so where are you at with this? I know last time we left you, you were just starting residency. Where, where has your journey brought you so far? Let's get right into it. Yeah. Thank you for asking. So, yeah. So I started my residency at, uh, NYIT mm -hmm. in, uh, Long Island, New York. I uh, started it in October and I just had my midterm in, um, March, the end of March. So for the midterm, I had a written exam. And then I had a hands-on practical, you know, something just basically out of uh, grad school. But just, you know, you want that extra level, that extra step of thinking. So we did a practical as well. Killed both of those. And now we're just chilling right now. We're learning a lot of things of like post-surgical stuff, anything from ACL to shoulder repairs and all that jazz. As well as you just every day just trying to hone down those manual techniques one technique at a time. So that's where I'm at right now. I love it. Yeah. So we have a lot to talk about with you uh, gaining all of that experience so far. It's that's totally. awesome. You uh, you nailed those midterms. I had no doubt whatsoever that you would. Thank you, thank um, you. As you'll nail the final and all of that. Appreciate stuff. that. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. But okay, so you're over halfway through. Yeah. Has your experience been what you expected it to be? Um. It has been. It has been in uh, in a positive way because I'll be honest. You know, when I finished grad school, 
you know, you get, you're given all this information and you're given these techniques. And after that, I really didn't know what to do with it. And what I mean by that is not that I didn't know how to, you know, do exercises or do a diagnosis or prognosis. I didn't know how to take all of that information and just bring it one step in a little bit closer to help out the patient and really be patient specific. And that's what really kind of helped me with the OCS. And that's why I recommend it to everybody. You know, I, I took something from just taking all this general, this, this big rain cloud and I made it into a smaller rain cloud. So that's my really, that's the big key that I learned from uh, the residency, which I'm really happy about. Right. You're simplifying things. You're, exactly. you're exactly. being able to take the mess that is all of these test measures, exactly. examination things, techniques yeah. that you can do with your hands, exercises, balance stuff, control, yep. all of that stuff and zooming it in for your particular patient in front of you. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it also, it, it kind of sounds even more sillier, but I feel like with the residency, not only do I know what to do, I'm confident in what I know I need to do. You know, it's kind of like when I graduated school, like I knew what to do, but it was almost like trial and error. And not to say that now is not trial and error, right. but now I really can kind of categorize where we're going towards and what we're looking towards and how this patient's going to do. And that's what I gained out of most confidence about and knew, me knowing what I need to do. Cool. Dude, that you just you just said the c word. The c yeah. word is like all throughout our podcasts. It's like yeah. everything. I don't even prompt people to say it, but they yeah. all say it. Yeah. Now let's play devil's advocate. Sure. Would you have gained that c word without the residency? I personally don't think I could have. Uh, you know, I've. Come on, I, a confident, smart guy like you, I bet you could have. You know, it, it would have been this. Would I have gotten to the same end result, most likely, you know, just by diligently, you know, like being a nerd, you know, like just looking up the newest JOSPT articles, advancing into more articles, and just kind of doing your own homework on patients that you want to look into. Yes, I would have definitely ended up with the end result, but I believe that the residency really honed in on the route that I needed to go to get to that end result. So I guess what I mean by that, it might've taken me five years to get there without the residency. Now with the residency, it's taken me 13 months to get there. And I can confidently say that. So it feels good to be like that. Yeah. So I would agree. I, I think no matter what we would get there and the confidence is, is a big factor. Yeah. Yeah. But what what about residency? Like, yeah, it expedites things. It jams information down your throat. Yeah. Great. You can you can jam information down your throat if you want to. Mm -hmm. You can yeah. have no life for a year and not sure. have to pay whatever tuition is or take a pay cut. Sure. Like what 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 do you say to that person out there that's on the fence right now? That's yeah. well, like I can get this experience and I get some people better. I get yeah. like I get most people better actually. It yeah. just sometimes takes me some time. Yeah. Yeah. For, for somebody like that, I would say, you know what, that that's perfectly okay. If 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 that's the route you want, I I you know, I'm I'm perfectly for it. You know, you're at the end of the day, you're still trying to make patients better. And and that's all that I can ask of people. You know, but some things that are really keen that that stick out in a residency program that you kind of it would be nothing you can't get i would say it's just harder 
to accomplish without the residency program mm -hmm. would have to be just the experiences, whether it's a mentorship where I meet with my mentor, you know, once a week for five hours and I'm really pushed into that uncomfortable zone in a positive way to learn more information, to learn new techniques, to learn new ideologies of what, you know, muscles can do to learning surgical approaches and being behind the scenes being and seeing live surgeries occur. You know, I'm sure people can get that, but it might be harder to attain that. Uh, other things that I can, I, I, I get from a residency is something we call grand rounds. And pretty much what that is, is just three different therapists who have honed their technique in one specific thing. So for example, ACL rehab, and we get three different generations just talking about that and how the game has changed. You know, I have a couple of mentors. One is Rob Panarello. He's around, you know, upper 50s, early 60s. He's been doing ACL rehab. That's his thing for years. And he saw the past become the future. When ACLs, after that, they would immobilize them. Now that, And they thought that was the right thing. Now, forget it. Immobilize them, forget it. We want them to move immediately. I like to see, and that's what I get from the residency, different ideologies mm -hmm. and, and different, I guess, um, I guess just strategies that different generations choose. And that's something I think would be very, very hard to attain just by yourself. Right. So, so I kind of set you up with this question because it's a hard question. It is. To answer. Absolutely. It's, it's something that I'm grappling with myself still. Okay. Okay. What what is this intrinsic value of residency yeah. over over not? Is this something that we need to do? Is this mm. something that's just nice to do? What's what can I get more out of it than just regularly studying for the OCS and taking the test? Sure. And I think what you said rings true in my mind for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not about the knowledge per se. Yeah. It's about the experience you get from other people and their knowledge. Yeah. It, the reflection that you're forced to have on a mm -hmm. daily basis it's the mentorship and the eyes that are on you mm -hmm. at all times and those three things together pull in and shape who you are as a clinician not only with how you do pt but the words you say the mm -hmm. actions yeah. that you do the the thought behind the action i would totally agree with that i like to say you're you're, you're going for the community, right? You're going for the resources, the experiences, uh, the accountability to always try to always learn, hey, there's this new article. I'm expecting you to read it by tomorrow where we can talk about this. You know, right. if, I w if I didn't have that accountability, I'll be honest with you. I would read it, but it would probably take me a couple of weeks to read that. You know, like I would be like, nah, it's a Friday night. Forget it. I'm going to go out and right. hang out with this or that. You know, it's the accountability and the community experience. I think I, I think you're totally right about that. Right. It's yeah. the uh, we're trying to to demonstrate not the short term value. I think there is mm -hmm. a short term value, but in, in my mind, it's more of a long term investment. It's like, sure, could you spend your money right now and, and spend it on a house or spend it on your rent or like have a nicer car because yeah. you have more money without residency. Or if you have a family, you have mm -hmm. to support them. I get that. Like there's obviously many things that go into it, but I'm seeing the residency 
as more of a stock, right? You're, you're investing in the market. You're, you're not only saying, I'm going to spend some money, but I'm going to spend it to impact my whole future. I think that's a really good analogy. I like that. You're, you're investing in yourself, which everyone should always do. You know, I, I, I like that. That's a good, that's a good point. I like that a lot. And the thing is, like you said, one of your mentors has been through the ringer. He's seen it change. Yeah. What's the constant change, right? It's everything is always going to change. Sure. Sure. I'm looking at this right now as this is the next big thing. We need to be better at what we do in PT. We are not great at what we do. We are really yeah. good at it and we get yeah. people better, but we're not great at it. Of course. I agree. How do we become great? That's, that's a tough question. I'll be honest. How do you become great? I was taught by um, another guy. His name is Rob Shapiro. Wicked smart dude. Yep. And when, if you want to be great, he always told me this. He goes, you know, with the amount of articles that come out a month or a day, I think he said, on average, you would need close to like 30 hours a day to read all of the articles every single day. Clearly that's impossible because we have 24 hours a day, right? So he said, the best thing you can do is try your best to just learn one new technique, one new thing about physical therapy, whether it's about you, this ideology that you want, whether it's a technique or a style that you do with physical therapy, or just to help your patient one day at a time. By doing those one things a day or just being better Every single day, I personally think that's how you become great. Right. And, and relating it back to our conversation prior. Yeah. Have somebody pushing you to, yes. to gain that one thing every day. Of course. That definitely stacks up. Yeah. I'm thinking a little bit more along the lines of the profession. Mm. Like just our outcomes as a profession. It takes like we just let's just talk about back pain. We are yeah. not good at treating oh. back we're not. We're actually, I think we're, I think the research shows we're not progressing at all, I think, right? I think we're actually kind of regressing a little bit. But here's the thing. We're still good yeah. at it. And we're, and we're not saying that we're not good at it, right? Yeah, we of course. Wanna, yeah. We don't want to just chew away all of the research that has been done and, and okay. the progress that we have been made. I'm not saying okay. that, but I'm saying that people are still getting surgeries. We still yeah. don't understand chronic pain the way that we do. People are still seeing their patients, eight, 10, 12 to maybe 36 weeks with, yeah. with this pain. And it's sometimes not anybody's fault, but like, let's understand it a little bit more. Yeah. Specialize. Don't yeah. just have the generalist yeah. ideology, have the specialist ideology. If we Absolutely. really our patients the best. Yeah. I'd be curious to know how many, how many OCS therapists are there? like in the United States. Is there a lot? I wish we had a Jamie like Joe Rogan does. I know, right? I know, I know. I'm curious to know in comparison to how many therapists there are in general, you know? So I, I, I can tell you it's not a lot. You know, I, I can tell you it's not a lot. Let's type yeah. it in right now. What do you think it is? Out of curiosity? Like just over or under, what do you think? Oh, I'm going like, to say. It's like over 100,000? Oh, no. No, I'm going to say no. like 25. 25,000? 
Maybe I don't know, man. Oh my gosh, I mean, Jesus! What do you think? That's not you it. think a hundred? I thought it was gonna be over a hundred thousand. I, I mean, I hope I'm right for the sake of this conversation. But wow, you think twenty five to thirty thousand? I don't know, man. Let's suck it out. Let's check it out. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. Checking it out. I don't know if they're gonna find us any numbers really quick. Uh, shared then less than five percent of all physical therapists within the United States. Want to do a little goog as well? Yeah, we we need a little uh, double team here because we don't have Jamie. <laughs> uh, the number of people employed as a physical therapist has a growing rate to close to 300,000 people in 2019. All right, so I'm off, obviously. I, I lost this bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I think, I so, think you're estimating how many PPs we have. <laughs> Just a little bit, just a little bit. So, all right. Well, it's definitely close to what you're saying. <laughs> Let, let's just uh, humor it, though. If it's five percent, and if I yeah. can use my calculator right, hit it. I'm seeing fifteen thousand people. Oh, god. Geez. Now that's that's, that's all of PTs, right? That's all yeah. of the different specialties and, yeah. and all of yeah. that. Like, okay, yeah. let's let's not totally slam on the brakes here, but yeah. Yeah. Some, something interesting to think about. It's it's not that Absolutely. much. And you think about yeah. residency programs. How many residency programs are there? There's definitely under a hundred. A hundred percent. I I remember. I think there's like thirty, maybe. I remember kind Probably of orthopedic, going, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. I would something say like something like that. There's definitely under hundred. Yeah, a hundred percent. So even if we want people to become specialists and yeah. to get residency training. There are not enough residencies to house the number of people that graduate PT school every single year. Absolutely, that that that's that's a hard fact, one hundred percent. So just just things to think about. There there are, and we've talked about this in the past before. There are different things that you have to consider when actually yeah. starting a, a residency, and, and yeah. the money and the cost involved, and the yeah. hours outside of paid time, and all of yeah. that. It's, just, it's complicated from that sense. But it, it can be done, and I think it should be done. But bringing it full circle again, I think that's the future. Yeah. And me yeah. personally, yes, part of why I did a residency, I don't know about you, was, again, to become better at what I do one day at yeah. a time. I mm -hmm. totally agree. want to be the best that I can be mm -hmm. for my patients, for myself, too. It's just a personal pride thing for me. Totally. But then I'm seeing it as if – we're going to change in the future. Like some of these higher ups in the PT world and the APTA and whatever, yeah. like we're going to be that in the next 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. How do you set yourself apart to not, I mean, if you just want to be a staff PT, that's, that's cool. Yeah. But how do you set yourself apart to stand out from the crowd and to be on the cutting edge and to demand that higher salary or totally. the higher reimbursement rate or whatever insurance companies throw at us. Yeah. This is yeah. what I, I see that as well. I don't know. No, I totally agree. There's, there's multiple standpoints, right? It's, it's self building, you know, obviously. And I totally agree with you. You know, you, you, I call it that, that itch, that, that hustle itch that you just always want to get better, you know, always chasing the whim. You know, there's a great book. Um, I think the guy's name is, uh, what's his name? it's right there. Oh, his name is Tim Grover. The book is, he made two books. One's called Relentless. Okay. And then one's called Winning. I would highly recommend anybody that has that itch to get better every day to read those two books. He's an athletic trainer that has trained 
Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, all the great people and so, so many more. So I know what you mean. You know, you, you, you want to do, well, I, I want to do the residency to get better, but I also right. agree as well. You know, you don't want to sound slip, but you don't want to become extinct, right? You don't want to fall. Let's just say this is the future, which I'm, I would say for certain it is going to be in the next 20 years. Like you said, you don't want to be in that, in that background. You want to be in the foreground, right? You want to stay up to date, stay lively, stay always on the tip of people's tongues, right. whether you got the OCS or maybe after the OCS, it's a fellowship. And after a fellowship, who knows what it's going to be? Maybe it's going to be something else in 40 years, Nick. You know what I mean? Like that's the exciting thing about it. So I, I, I agree with those two standpoints. Right. And, and I don't want to paint the picture to people listening that we're just this always hustle and grind. Like you said, like if we're yeah. not being forced by the residency or the fellowship or whatever to do something, we're normal people. We're going to, yeah, we're going to relax and, exactly. and enjoy our family time and enjoy our 100%. friends. Like that's probably why most people came into the PT profession is we like medicine and we like helping yep. people, but family we don't want to be a physician. Of course. Yeah, that's really it. You know, I always thought his physical therapy is very family oriented. So, you know, I, I feel like people are going for that just because of that. Right. Because so. so the the next thing is thinking about, okay, great. We're, we're progressing with this. Don't get caught in that ever ending loop of just always pushing and looking for the next greatest thing. Like live in the it's moment. Harsh. That's yeah. the hard, that's the hard thing to do. And you know what? That's a really hard thing to do. It is. In your postdoc PT experience, I I would a hundred percent agree. I would a hundred percent agree. Yeah, because you're always looking for what can I do better next time, or what can yep. I do this, and what can I do that, and oh, when I finish this, I'll be a better PT, and I'll I'll be able to help this patient that I can't help really right now. Yeah, it'll. I'm getting there. It's it's okay. Yeah. No, no I be, be in the moment. I'm a big fan of Conor McGregor, you know, before he kind of, <laughs> you know, went, uh, whatever he's doing now, throwing tools at people, the notorious. And he, you know, I was always watch his interviews, you know, motivation on like how he became to be, cause he really came from nothing. You know, he was a kid, 19 years old. He mm -hmm. was going to be a plumber's apprentice. He didn't want to do it. He was living with his family as girl with him still there. You know, he wanted to make something out of himself. So I, I highly respect his hustle and uh, you know, it's, it's just something out of, out of that, you know, constantly going. And one thing he said, he goes, you know, when he wins, he, he makes sure he enjoys his moment. Cause those are the moments that count, you know, mm -hmm. because the next day, when you have that mindset, you find something else, you find something else to go after and you're back on the grind. You know, another big guy that I like to look at, um, his name is Jay Cutler. He was a huge Mr. Olympia. Yep, huge dude back in the, back in the, uh, the 90s and 2000s. And he said he enjoyed the hustle more than attaining what he wanted. And that's something I don't want to fall into because it's almost like it's almost like the saying, like, you know, what happens when a dog gets the bone? Like, they don't know what to do with it. You know, that's something I don't want to fall into. I want to enjoy these moments, enjoy the grind and enjoy the wins and even enjoy the losses. And what I mean by losses is, getting pushed into those zones that make you uncomfortable. You know, when your mentor comes up and he puts you on the spot, like, yo, like, what are you doing here, man? And you give him the rationale. He's like, but why? Like, like, why are you doing it that way? I'm like, oh my God, I don't know. I thought this is the way to do it. Right. So those uncomfortable moments that you, you're most vulnerable, but you learn the most as well. So yeah, totally agree, man.
Okay. Well, here's a question for you because I know you're really motivated. Mm-hmm. Easy to see. <laughs> how how are you personally going to not fall within that trap of just always looking forward to the next thing and looking forward to the next thing and to the next thing? How do you do it? You know, or how do you want to do it? Or how have you failed at it in the past? Whatever. You know, I've, I've definitely failed at it in the past with, with big moments. I'll be honest with you. Like, um, like, I don't know if you remember that scholarship that we both won the Arthur Davis scholarship mm-hmm. that night, you know, I enjoyed it for two to three hours. And then, you know, the night that I got home from that, I, I, I kept thinking like, you know, what can I do better at next time? What can I do better and better? And I, I really wish I didn't do that because not that it ruined the night for me. It definitely didn't ruin the night, but I guess I just didn't savor that win as much as I wanted it to be. So to say, you know, if, am, I, am I doing it right now? I'm trying my best to enjoy those wins, man. But at the same time, there's always that voice inside my head. I call it the dark side. We all have the dark side, right? That, you know, it's a part of us, right? You know, we can't get rid of it, but yet you can control it. You know, that dark side of always looking for something else, for something better, the next opportunity, you know, the next patient, the next eval, what can I do better next time? Mm-hmm. So right now it's a working process. To, to say how to do it. Yeah, how? Come on, give me, give me something tangible. We've, we've been doing a lot of great talking at this yeah. point, but we really haven't given really good, if you want to call it clinical pearls or, or personal yeah. ideas or, or yeah. to help people out. Yeah, I would say it's hard hard hard. to put it into words and I'm I'm making you think and I understand that I am. And I would say I would say this and this is from the book. The book says, listen to your senses instead of listen to your mind. And those are two different things, right? Your Mm -hmm. senses, you know, your sight, your sound, smell, taste, touch. Listen to those and not what you're thinking. And the reason why I say that is because let's say that Arthur Davis night, you know, listen to the people talk, you know, really be in that moment, you know, taste the food, really savor the food, really enjoy, you know, by touch, you know, when I hugged my mom and my dad and my girlfriend, you know, Mm -hmm. be in those moments, feel with your senses and listen to your senses. And I think that that keeps you in the present because your mind is always looking at the future. I'm gonna put that on a t-shirt. Boom. <laughs> I like come it. over throw those cards down. That's a good one. I just pulled oh. that out of my butt. Oh, was nice. <laughs> awesome. I'll buy that t-shirt. I'm all about uh t-shirts that say something. <laughs> but that's I think right now, just thinking that is the best advice that I can give to stay in the moment. Listen to the senses or feel what your senses because your mind's always thinking about the future. Cool. Yeah. I like that. I I will uh, I will definitely use that. Cause I have, yes, yeah. I have one of the same problems. It's yeah. like that I have that same dark side of always wanting to push forward. And of course, and the last thing that I want to do is be that friend, be that significant other, be that parent that is just consumed in their work. Yeah. And that's my, that is my deepest, darkest fear, honestly, in life is that. so consumed with yeah. one passion and that I can't really take a step back and understand why I'm doing it all. Yeah, uh, I would agree. My, one of my, to, to, to add to the deepest fears, mm-hmm. I always said, 
you know, in school is, you know, my deepest fear was to be, I don't want to say like an average therapist because that's not what I'm saying. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't want to fall into the rhythms and motions of a therapist that just gives hot pack, tens, massage, and that's it. You know, I, I, that, that was my biggest fear to fall, to fall into the rhythms Right. of of what what you know happens in some clinics and that yeah because that's you know okay terrible. let's let's talk about okay. that let's talk yeah. about that yeah first thing to come back on though yeah you gave me something let me give you something hit me with when, it i love it when you're with your patients yeah try to recognize their just most carnal thoughts and feelings <laughs> in the moment like try yeah. to label it in your head Okay. You meet Paulina or whoever you meet, right? You're looking at them. You're listening to their story in the beginning. Yeah. Really try to see where they're at and meet them where they're at. Not just we have these things to check and go down the list for, but Mm -hmm. really try to understand where they're at. And that personally helps me on, on my really busy days or then I have a thousand things going on or I have to go home and do this and that. Or I have to finish all these notes because I suck at notes or whatever, whatever you want. Like that's something that I think could be a cool thing too. No, I I like that. I actually had an experience with somebody like that. So at the clinic that we're, that I work at, we have something called a photo score. So it's Mm -hmm. a functional outcome score and it pretty much tells them. Yep. yep. (laughs) And pretty much it just shows, you know, how the patient's doing, like what are they having problems with, what they're not having problems with. Mm-hmm. I had this, I had this, this, this zebra unicorn come in. This, this incredibly rare case. It was a complex regional pain syndrome, type one, mm-hmm. of the guy's knee. Mm-hmm. Nick, the guy's knee. I've never right. even heard of that in my life. Okay. I'm doing research on this at the Mayo Clinic, the Neurological Disease Center. They say it's like less than 0.1 percent of the population ever gets this. in in Crips patients. So, I'm like, why? How is this possible? And if there's one thing that I'm really happy that I stayed true to, and I was really nervous, if you remember on the first episode we were talking about, I was nervous about losing like my humanity towards patients and just looking at them at as like statistics and numbers. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I just had that fear with the OCS. Like, I, I don't know why. I think it was the fact that, you know, very evidence-based driven, very let's do this and that driven. And I was really nervous. I'm like, I really hope I just don't turn into a machine. I want to be a person mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm proud to say that I am still a human being. <laughs> and so to get back onto the, to the Crips patient, uh, you know, what you were saying about like just understanding where they're coming from, their, their strengths, their weaknesses, their fears, what they're going through. I saw this guy for maybe, you know, 20 or 30 visits. I tried my best, man. I'm not going to lie with you, but I always listen to their conversations. I always listen to their stories and you know what? I'm convinced that his photo score went up, you know, dramatically. I'm convinced that just by talking to him and just hearing this guy and seeing him of what he is and who he is, that just in general made it go higher. Like that made him feel better and in turn made his knee feel better. You know, that biopsychosocial model. It right. really is important, man especially yeah. with people like that, you know? Right. So that's beautiful. And that on that ties right into what we were, <clears throat> we were going to talk about 
yeah before yeah. about you don't want to be one of those people that just puts the hot pack and and stim and stuff yeah. on. totally but how does that how does that shape my question to you is how do you think that pt gets to that point I, I think it's a couple of things. I think it has to do, first off, I think it has to do with um, not even the company that you work for. I think it's the people that you surround yourself with. You know, I think I, I, I'm a fan of like, you know, it all starts with a good leader. If you have a good leader, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get held to a standard. If you work with people that do that, you're more prone, I think, to following that suit, that trade, whether it's because, I don't know, maybe it's the way they do that. Maybe it's because you don't want to stick out and potentially cause, you know, kick, kick the bees nest, I like to say. It's a lot of things. And I also think it comes down to you, you know, and not to say that you want to do these things. You know, I'm, I always think that burnout is a real thing, man. Bur like, you know, with the amount of notes that we have to do, with the amount of patience that you have to see, you get burnt out, you know? And I, I, I can't deny this. There have been days where, you know, there's days when you can have fun and, you know, try some new techniques on a patient that you know, you've been seeing for a while, be like, hey, listen, Mr. Johnson, you know, it's just me and you, a couple people canceled. Come on, let me give you a little extra TLC today. And then you get those days where you're getting slammed four people, an hour, three therapists in the whole place, 12 people running around like a chicken out of head. You get burnt out, man. And if that's a consistent thing, I think those two big, big dilemmas cause that. That's just me personally. So you're saying leadership and what you're like, who you're surrounding with yourself yeah. with, yeah. as well as just burnout in general, yeah. lead, lead to that stigma of that treating therapist. I would say yes. I, I would say that potentially can lead you to, I want to say half-assing, but not giving your, your all. Right. You know, what do you think? No, I, I, I think that could be a couple potential avenues for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What, what I really think it is, cause mm -hmm. I, I don't know, I, I tend to, to look in at people and think and, and not like that you're not, but to okay. think that, yeah. that they have the best interest in mind and they're still trying to be the best PT they can be. And mm -hmm. they're honestly trying to do their best. Yeah. And, and at that point I see a PT that maybe is disheartened with where we are as a profession, okay. where, where their chronic pain patients are and not yeah. being able to meet them, even with the standards of evidence that we do have mm -hmm. not seeing a difference when they do bust their ass and do all these journal articles and, and do all this and, and do that. And, and they see versus they understand what you just said. And this is why I brought this full circle to this question from yeah. what you said of connecting with your patient. Yeah. They might see that you just need to connect with the person, mm -hmm. help them have all of their senses met, touch, sight, feel. Yeah, absolutely. All of that. And they're saying that's probably what's going to make you be a little bit better with some exercise. Okay. Yeah, I, I see it that. from that light. I like that. I, I, I would agree with that. That's, that's a good point as well. Yeah. And there's a chance that there's 
other scenarios out there that I'm not even thinking of. I'm sure people that are listening to this right now are thinking of, oh, but what about this? And what about this? Well, yeah, yeah. you're right. You're probably, you're probably right. <laughs> Let but, us know in the chat. <laughs> yeah. I wish we had a chat. <laughs> but <clears throat> that's that's the part that um that I'm really trying to to think about and and I'm still like I said we're still grappling with yeah, like, of course is residency important is fellowship <laughs> important is specializing important I still think it is but I think we have a long way to go with our research yeah. and our understanding of things and like you said you can read all the papers you want great First of all, if you even if you do read all the papers you want, you have to be able to, be able to interpret them. Yes, you have to implement them, right? And understand what the question that they're asking, understand the statistics behind what they're asking. Hmm. And are they just trying to bullshit us to get a publication? Of course, of course. Some organizations reward people and their employees if they get published or yeah. it just looks good or whatever. Is it... Is it from that end of the field or like, are they actually putting out some good meaningful research and is it just building on top of each other? And we just need a little bit more of that. And yeah. the, the, the problem that I'm saying, I don't know about you with, hmm. with reading all of this research and, and doing some daily article things is we're our studies suck. If you, if, yeah. you, if you really yeah. look at like the numbers of people that we do, how we really come up with the inclusion and exclusion criteria, yeah, maybe this is just me, but I feel like I can <clears throat> always poke holes in the inclusion and exclusion criteria that they're either too um, heterogeneous, they're, they're too diverse of a population. You're never going to find a correlation no matter what you do, yeah. whether you're talking about manual therapy and manipulation, whether you're talking about dry needling on a neck patient, like whatever yeah. you want to, whatever you want to say, whether you're talking about exercise for a NEOA patient. Yeah, exactly. There's so many things we have to control for that it's really hard to control for it. Of course, of course. And there's so many options and outcomes that like, of course, our research sucks, of course. And this is the hard part about research is like, mm. yeah, that's, that's the point behind it. It's not supposed to be easy. Yeah. But taking that all into consideration, I'm seeing mm. that there's just more room to grow. And even though I agree and sympathize with that person that is like, hey, I just need to talk to the person. I need to have them be felt. I need them to exercise. They're going to get better. If they're going to get better, they're going to get better, most likely because of what we just said. Great. I can sympathize with that, but I also see we need to move forward and, and pass that, and we need to keep pushing for that. Yeah. A couple of things with the research. Um, for my residency, I had to take this thing on MedBridge. You know, MedBridge is always fun. <laughs> it's, um it. Yeah, right. And uh, it's called Research Bootcamp. And of course, who is the, the the content creator of that? The one and only Chad Cook, you know? So Chad, you listen to this. Thank you. And um, Dad, I hope you're listening to this. <laughs> and he was talking about like how, I think he was saying like up to 35% of all of like the articles that get published for physical therapy are like fraudulent in some way. Like it's it, it's it's an insane number. 
it's it's between 20 and 35%. So to kind of go back to what you're saying, when you're, you know, you're picking all these holes, the fact that that's even allowed, it, it still boggles my mind, you know? Right. And, and, and here's the hard thing too, is you get people who are either students or new clinicians like us and yeah. maybe don't have, or aren't like trying to pick things through with the full breath yeah. and microscope of reading the whole paper. Okay. That are busy, people that have families, people that are, have just started a new job and they're trying to move in and, and do a second job maybe to pay student loans off and whatever have you. They're going to read the title. They're going to read the abstract. They're going to see yep. this flashy thing that says whatever. And one of the things that sticks out into my mind is that dry needling is not good for cervical patients. Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, oh, yeah. that's like so damaging because then people like us that are maybe like not really pushing for that are, are going to see the headline and think they're staying up to date and think that they're saying evidence-based, but they're going to be pushing a little bit more of that. Not, I'm not saying it's fraudulent, but I'm yeah. saying it's maybe not, there's the understanding of the research isn't there and the premise behind it isn't fully there. I totally agree. And this is one of my devil's advocates that I, I even talk to like, you know, my, my mentors to this day. I think, I think being an evidence-based practice therapist isn't as good as people think it is. You know, I feel like that's the new wave. Oh, you know, I'm an evidence-based practice physical therapist. Great. But there's so many caveats to that. First off, you have to understand, did you even read the research? Is that research, you know, in that 35% of like the shadiness or is it actual valid stuff? And I'm starting to see this trend where people are going into these this, this evidence-based practice and they're not going into, I guess, like general categorization of patients. And, and let me explain what, what I mean by this. So I think categorizing a patient gives, is, is, is getting a very bad name these days because I think people think or therapists believe that if you're in this category, you have to either stay in this category or you can't listen to the patient's wants and needs and listen to them as a person. What do you, what do you, mean, what do you mean by category? Like, I guess... Um, you know, I, I hate to use McKenzie as, as an example of this, but I'm going to go for that. You know, you know how they have directional preference categorization, dysfunction categorization, or an other categorization, stuff like that. Yep. Arrangement, dysfunction. Other. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Logical. Yes. That's correct. Yes. I, I think we should start utilizing those more in a general aspect and not really be going too much into this evidence base. With the residency that I'm in right now, we actually, the, the mentors developed this, it's called a, a general category. And the general categorization is this, is four things, all right? It's power. So a power categorization would be like a partial tear of like the distal bicep tendon or a partial tear of the rotator cuff, right? The power, the motor unit recruitment has been modified by, by a tear, right? So that, that's one category. Second category is a directional preference. You know, like I'll give you another example for that is, um, you know, a meniscal tear. You know, I have patients that flexion kills them, which makes sense, right? Because you crank it on that spot. But when you do extension with overpressure, it feels great. So their they, they're preference sometimes. of direction, sometimes, yeah, this is not everybody. You know, 
that's their preference. They, they prefer to be in that extension and it makes them feel better. Let's keep doing that. And then you have the two that are a little bit tougher. You know, you have the motor coordination where their range of motion is fine. Their strength is fine. But for some reason, either one muscle is stronger or one muscle is weaker, quote unquote, or the motor coordination is not adding up. And then you have motor control where it's pretty much your active range of motion and your passive range of motion is similar. Something's causing the, the movement to not be adjusted properly. And that's what they teach us. And it's been very valuable because it's taking all of this information of what I'm looking at with the patient. And like I said, it's taking it and just making it one step closer to what really is going on. You know, and, and that's, you know, at, that's not evidence-based practice. That's just, it is what it is type of thing. You know, if, if his active range of motion is 90 and the passive range of motion is 95, and clearly there's, there should be more, something's blocking the motion, right? If the motion's fine, but there's symptoms in the area, this one's weak, you test it, this one's strong, you test it, clearly there's a motor coordination problem, right? And the other two are a little bit more different than those two, but I, I, that's been working very well for me, so. That's awesome. I, yeah. I, I think that is a really good way to, to really piece things out and to simplify yeah. the a little bit more complicated. Yeah, exactly. I think we might. I think we might be talking about different things from from the aspect of like evident. Like I, I get, I get what you're saying. I get yeah. that. Like if if you're like on this, like maybe we hear people, and this is again our perceptions of where we're at right now. But we hear people yeah. that say evidence based practice. Yeah, yeah. And then you see what you are seeing on your end of of trying to simplify things and put people into buckets and yeah, and then. Yeah piece it out from there yeah as maybe a little bit less evidence-based but at the same time like maybe using evidence to get to that point yes exactly exactly well i mean that's exactly where we're at with some of these cpgs where we're at with a lot of these like treatment-based classification systems like for example let's talk about the lower back pain treatment classification perfect yeah like there's been multiple iterations of it right there's been three really big drastic changes to it over the lifetime and there's a reason why people are really liking these classification systems because they're really good pathways and tools yeah to help educate people to help educate not only our patients, but only educating our professionals and, and help get everybody on the same page of using the evidence Exactly from that standpoint. But I think we can fall into this. Almost, I, I think we can almost be tricked too far to the right or too far to the left when we're talking about classification systems. Because I know there's a lot of yes. people at CampWise that hate classification systems yeah i agree they're they don't they don't work there's no way you're hitting all the things they're you're trying to make a something that is so heterogeneous into fitting into homogeneous pathways which just isn't possible exactly i agree with and Mm -hmm. i think we understand that it's a little bit more of a fluid yes yes transition but that's what let's for example again i'm going to use the lower back pain treatment based classification mm-hmm. system so mm-hmm. in 2007 the treatment based classification was very specific yeah yeah right 
they gave four different categories, five, four or five different categories. Mm-hmm. And these were really specific, whether it was the manipulation category, which is really based on the clinical prediction rule, or if it was yes, yeah, the the stabilization category as being like a core control, yeah, or mm-hmm. it's this directional preference category or whatever, like right. So that's really specific. But then you have the new 2015 update, yeah which is now going a little bit more in the opposite direction of saying you have these three buckets. They're not talking about back pain as like this type of back pain, this type of back pain, or this type of back pain. They're talking about like basically like acute, really irritable, mildly irritable, or returning to work, function, sport, whatever, and being able to flow back in between. And I I agree. I think the the categorization in that part is good. Yes. I think the categorization though in the 2007 was also really good because it gives yeah. you a really solid firm direction. But I think we need somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I agree. Because I think the the 2015 is too broad mm-hmm. because it classifies so many different things. Because you're going to see all of those things that we see in 2007 intermix yeah. between each of the three. Of categories of 2015 whereas the 2007 is too specific so the 2007 is not correct we know yeah. the evidence for that is not correct absolutely things don't fit that way and mm-hmm. you know what if somebody doesn't fit into any of the categories where do they get put the stabilization category the yeah other, like, yeah the other don't yeah. know what the hell to do with you so we're just gonna stay <laughs> And, and that's where some of these bad things with like overly queuing TA and overly queuing core and whatever. And if you do that, sorry, um, I'm not saying you do it wrong. I'm just no, saying that and I'm talking to everybody, but I'm saying that like, that's, that's just where the paradigm shift has been is like, it's always the, the fault and we yeah. need to get somewhere in the middle. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I do think that, um, I think that 2007 article, I, I hear it come up a lot, unfortunately. I think that gives the, the classification systems a bad rep. I think that one article effed it up for everybody because it's, you it's know, a it's learn, like, at the time, giving yeah. the auth- authors their, their blessing at the time. Of course. Great. And it was yes. good information and it was the up to date research. It was a step in the right direction. Absolutely. But I get yeah. what you're saying for right now and where we're yeah. at. If people are still looking back at that and then yeah. trying to justify classification systems in general, of course, it's not going to go well. I, I, I totally agree. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I also think a lot of people should have like a base ideology of what you should use when you see a therapist. And what I mean by that is like, like I'm like, I've went through a lot of them and my big thing that I use is Maitland. I, I like Maitland techniques you know, test, retest. I think that's like my go-to. It's results that I can see and not see. I think all therapists should have something along the lines of that. I got into a conversation with one of my uh, classmates um, in grad school. And, you know, he was just like, it was, it was, and it was perfect because he was giving confusing answers. And I said like, you know, like, do you have like a base technique that you use? Like, you know, Maitland or this or that. And it's like, well, no, you know, I just take all the evidence and I see the patient who is it is. And I'm like, well, I do too. I, I see the patient of who it is too. But I'm saying like, what's your bread and butter? Like, where do you start? 
And he was just saying like, well, you know, I take this from here and I do that from there and I do that from there. And I think that's good. I think those are good guidelines to have. But I also think we should all have some form of foundation on where to build upon. And I think that's not, I don't think that's taught enough. And I, I think that might be a missing element to making us one step better. Well, the hard part is not everyone agrees with all these foundational ideologies. Of course. Per se. Yeah. And like you're going to have Maitland side and you're going to have McKenzie side and you're going to yep. have the, the Charmin side of things. Yep. Yeah. And people are going to be totally in just different camps and different boats. And yeah, I, I think I tend to, I, I get what you're saying and you need to have a foundation and have a core path for, yeah. for where you're at. And I agree. I was, I was really like you in throughout my whole residency, like so into the test retest. I'm not, I, not that I have gotten away from it, uh -huh. but I pick and choose my battles with it. What do you mean? It depends on the type of patient that's in front of you. Mm -hmm. If it's somebody that is a athlete, if it's somebody that is more of an acute injury, if it's mm -hmm. somebody that's not post-op, yeah. like along those three criteria, fantastic. Yeah. We'll test, okay. retest yeah. all the time and we'll keep going down that direction, keep going down how to best treat the person from, from mm -hmm. that evidence model that you're getting in real time. Mm -hmm. As if you're seeing somebody that has chronic pain, mm -hmm. for example, your CRPS patient. Yeah. You test, retest that person. Oh, oh that's forget it. going to yeah. totally Super devastate times. them. You're going to be running around with your head cut off. Mm -hmm. You take a patient that has three or four different things going on. You test, mm -hmm. retest. You're going to get three or four different things every single time you try it on each visit. And it's just mm -hmm. going to make your head spin. Mm -hmm. I agree with you where we need the ideology. Yeah. And, and I agree with that. I think we need to be able to pick and choose at the right times when, when to do one thing or when to do another. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like I'm agreeing with your classmate a little bit more where it's like, oh, I get this piece from there, this piece from there, this piece from there. Yes, mm -hmm. but there's, there's a little bit more as, as you get into it, a little bit more method behind the madness of when mm -hmm. do you use this side of the ideology and when do you use this side and when do you use this side? And it's a little bit more gained from the subjective and yeah. all of the measures that you're bringing around with it. Long story short, I agree with you, but I disagree with you. Understandable. I mean, I guess then what I'll do is I'll, I'll meet you halfway with that then. Then I would I say appreciate this. that. I appreciate that. No, no. You know what it is? Because no, you, you raised good points. I would say this then. I would, for every patient, it would probably be a good idea to have a base for every patient. And that doesn't mean that has to be the same thing, right? Every patient should have a different base. I guess what I'm trying to be an advocate for is is to have a foundation. And that's and the it can part be, that we agree on. Yeah, yeah. That that It doesn't matter what your foundation is. And like I said, it could be a different foundation for every patient. I am trying to advocate for having a foundation, whether it's McKenzie for Mr. Johnson, Maitland for Mrs. Johnson, and so on and so forth. I that That's what I'm advocating for. So yeah, I retract I the first one, and I'll give the second one. I would no, say that. Have a foundation. 
I retract it. It's over. Retract. You can add. I'll, you can I'll add call my lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I would say. I would say to always have a foundation on your patients. Just don't say evidence based. Don't just get the knowledge and try to use it. I would say right. always have some type of foundation with that. Right. Yeah. Cool. Cool. We're on the same page with that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and with this, we can even get onto the weeds and, and we can talk about this for hours and, and going course. down the yeah, different yeah, ideologies and why yeah. and why not. And yeah, that's that's nice and all. But I mm-hmm. agree. If if you everybody and I think most people are gonna have this too. They're gonna figure out their ways that they like yeah. to do things and that they organize things in their brain to be able to make yeah. things not only make sense to them, but make sense to the patient. Absolutely. At the, what it should be at the end of the day. Yeah. And that's why I like the classifications. You know, I, I, I consider like my mind like this. Like you ever see like, um, oh, I forgot what, oh, a flow chart. You, you know what a flow chart is? So yeah. that's what my mind is. I take the flow chart from the top of what I think, and then it goes down to the second level. And then I do tests and it goes down to the third level and the fourth level, and the fifth level. That's, that's how my mind is. So I would agree. It depends on your mindset. For something with like a flow chart, I need a foundation of where I'm starting Right. And then I can build off that. If I don't have that, um, I'm just throwing shit at the wall. I'll be honest with you. I'll right. just be like, let's try this. Let's try that. You know, And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and that might be what works for you and what works for me too. Yeah. But somebody else might hear what we're saying right now and totally throw up and say like, I could never. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, like that doesn't make sense to me at all. I could never pull things and, and go down the list and I'd be lost and two in my own head if I did that. So yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Let's let's get back onto onto the residency thing. Sure. So you got a little bit of time left. Mm-hmm. Or do you think the the end of residency is going to be different than the beginning of residency? What do you mean the end? Like the final or graduation? I mean, like let's talk the first half versus the second half. In a way of difference, I, I do think it's going to be, um, I, I guess, a little bit of a change. And, and what I mean by that is, is because, you know, now the knowledge is given to me. So now I get to kind of like, you know, like a piece of clay. I get to mold it in the way that I want it to mold it. You know, I get to do what I want to do with it. So I do think so. In the first half, it was beginning. Um, I'm sorry. In the first half, it was learning. Mm-hmm. The second half is, I like to say, creating your blueprint creating who you are and what you're going to do with it. You know, some people might never use a technique, you know, like cervical manipulation or whatever it is, you know, I'm just throwing off of the hands. Some people are going to love techniques, but that's why I look forward to, and that's what I'm doing right now with, with the second half, creating my own blueprint on the tools that they gave me and the techniques that I learned and the information I got and making myself, my own therapist or the, the therapist that I'm looking forward to be. Have you seen your mentoring change at all over the, the past couple of months? I've seen, so my mentoring changes in a way that, well, one of two things. One, the residency that I'm in, it's set up that every three months I get a new mentor, which is really, really nice because everyone, you know, back to the foundation, each one has a different foundation. So I get to see how their strategy is mm-hmm. to take on a task plays out, which is really, really cool. I have seen the mentorship change also in a way that now I'm expected to be at, not at the beginning level of the residency. I'm expected to be at this level. So like, let's say it was, you know, I was expected to be a two 
now expect to be a five. And I think that's cool because again, that comes down to accountability. That counts to that comes down to people pushing you to be like, hey, listen, you know this stuff now. Like let's let's use it. Let's implement it. Let's see what you got. So that's what I I like. I like getting pushed into, you know, the the uncomfortable zone to learn new things. So it has changed. So with with that change with you pushing from your two to your five, yeah. What what are, what are the conversations look like and how are they different and are they different from okay. when you were a two versus where you're a five? And like, like, what are you talking about? Like, like that kind of thing. No, that's good. That's good. I, I would think that's going to help yeah. me understand you, where you're at in your, your formative process. Yeah. And I, I think that would be pretty cool for not only me to hear, cause then I can either relate to it or, or push myself to, to get yeah. a little bit more on board with that or other people can help and understand and push themselves too. No, that's really, that, that's a, that's a good question. I would say, so the beginning came down to, you know, quote unquote, simple questions like, you know, like, what do you think it is? Uh, you know, what's your intervention going to be, you know, and why now it's coming. Now it's going from the first half be- was from the past to the present of the patients. The second half is going from the present to the future. What's the prognosis? Where, what do you think is going to happen? What do you need to give this patient to continue to do this? You have an ACL tear. Great. 50% of all ACL tears or close to that number re-tear between the first, second, and third year. How are you going to be above the other therapists? And how are you going to prevent that? How are you going to be above the curve? I think that's something really cool that I'm starting to try to think about. How can I do my job to the fullest and never see this person again, you know? Right. So you, so you're talking about more of like <clears throat> the injury prevention and the maintenance phase of, of PT and how to best encourage that. I'm into the injury reduction because you can never prevent an injury. People right, always right, get right. hurt, right? right? Injury reduction and the maintenance. Yes. Yes, that's what we're looking to because, right, it, it's, it sounds simple, but anybody can really make anybody feel better, right? I can teach a five-year-old how to do a thoracic manipulation, and that might make somebody feel better. It's not the point of just making them feel better. It's maintaining that, seeing what they're doing, what's causing that problem, and how can we fix that so their future is better than today. Cool. And it's, like it's, it's really hard to think about. I'll be honest, like, it, like, it takes, like, it, I was, I'm still wiping out on some of these things. Like, that's how hard it is to really think about. But you start to understand how to really be a true physical therapist and not only help them in the now, but help them in the future. It's hard. It's really hard. So my pessimism is coming out right now. Hit me with it, this negative message. <laughs> some people just don't want to change. Oh, I know, man. I know. Uh, sorry, I I don't redact Listen, what I said. I add on top of what I just said. No, of course. Most people don't want to change. It's hard, man. You know, and I I I see that all the time. You're absolutely correct. And these are things like we say these things to our patients, our clients. Like it's so easy to do. Like you know, I I love this. I I, I love when you know people say. You know, oh, your shoulder hurts, you know, like, well, don't sleep on your shoulder. Meanwhile, Miss Johnson has been sleeping on that shoulder for the past 20 years. 
these habits that we're teaching them or these, these pep talks for them to be their own hero does not happen overnight. It doesn't happen in the first few months. It happens over years. And let me tell you, it's very, very hard to influence that, you know, and there's many techniques. You know, I have some mentors that unfortunately, you know, go the scare route. And they say like, listen, if you keep doing this, you're going to get a knee replacement or you're going to do this. You know, is that the best technique? I don't know. You know, some people. For the right um, person. Yeah, for the right person, it will work. It's very, very hard. To say how to influence that, I don't know. It really just comes down to, again, figure like, you know, being with that person and having them feel with their senses and not their mind. Or maybe a little bit of both. Maybe it is their senses and now you're trying to incorporate their mind on what they're about, how they feel, and try to just change that feeling just a little bit. Or not even change it, just have them have that epiphany or that realization that they might need to do different things to get different outcomes. You know, it's, it's hard. Nick. That is, that's hard, dude. What about you? What, what, like, what do you do, dude? I'd love to hear. I mean, you're ahead of the game with me. I don't know if I'm ahead of the game. I think we're just in different different parts of the game. And yeah, yeah, I should say that. Yeah, you're you're in a different game. Yeah. So what 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 like would you say the senses in the mind thing, or is it something deeper than that? You know. I mean, it's it like you said, it's it's hard, and it's something that you have to set somebody up for, and they have to be at that point and willing to make the change to yeah. even ha- have that conversation. It's uh, I I I'm not a hundred percent there, and I yeah tell you what we'll never be there because it's always going to be a struggle, and it's not going to be the easy route. Yeah, I think I think what we can do and what we should do and what we probably do do is give the person the information. Right, not force it down their throat. If they're wanting the information, give it to them explain things in a nice easy to to understand manner yeah and then not take it personally when they don't follow through with it or of course, of course. they don't show up for the last two visits before discharge yeah or like or they come back even within the next like three months and they come back and see you like that's not your fault that's of course, not even of the patient's fault it's just yeah. like things that just happen life. It's uh, it's not easy, but I, I think just understanding the patient's expectations and their goals from the start is what we need to do. And you know yeah. what, I, what I have been doing, and this, this is something that, that I have been pushing, and this is because of a recent talk that I've had with somebody on the podcast. Okay. It's if I can't influence their injury or their pathology or whatever, let me at least influence their, um, what's it called? Healthcare literacy. Okay. I like that. That's really cool. And if it's not to influence the healthcare literacy for themselves, it's for them mm-hmm. to, to get it for their children, right? To, to understand that there's no, there shouldn't be a fear of movement or there's no bad posture or yeah. like that the exercising is what keeps you young and what of keeps course. you moving and age is just yeah. a number pain is normal and that's okay and you can feel some pain yeah and still function and like these things that are 
that are maybe misconstrued because of where we're at in society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at least at minimum, help them understand that or at least hear it for the first time maybe and then challenge them to tell that to their kids and demonstrate a good understanding to their kids or talk about it with their friends or ask them about what their friends habits are and and spark a conversation there and you know what if it blooms and blossoms into something else fantastic if they have that desire to push on, then great. Let's push on. I have those tools to give you to set you up with that maintenance program to, like you said, not prevent injuries, but reduce the amount and the chance and the duration and the irritability of those injuries. I, I, I definitely like that. You know, I would say like, um, you know, Simon Sinek is a guy, he has Ted talks, really inspirational dude. And he says that, you know, people really change when they find out what's their why, right? And I'm not, their why, the why isn't something superficial. Like, like I want to make a hundred bucks. Like, why? Like, why do you want to make that hundred bucks? Like, why, why do you want to get better? It could be something as simple as like, listen, you know, I want to go play paddle ball with my grandson. Or it could be something more really complex. It's like, you know, my wedding's coming up or not my wedding. I would say maybe my grandson's wedding's up there. I just want to walk down the aisle. I find that when you link it to something strong, a very strong memory or a strong want and a strong why, most people really resonate with that and they, they try to make an impact. But at the same time, that isn't everybody, unfortunately. And I always tell people this. I say, listen, I'm going to be on your team whether you do X, Y, or Z. I'll tell you like it is. I'll be your conscience. But you know, whether you want to do this whether you don't want to do home exercises, even though I tell you to do it, I'm, I'm going to try my best. I'm going to give it my all. And yeah, you know, so there's always that two sides of the coin. So yeah. that's all you can do. That's all you can do. Just don't yeah. become a, a huge cynic with it. Of course. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do. No, of not course. become a big, like not do it at all because no one wants to change. Of course. That's not no, the answer. Hard. No, that's not the answer. No, there's yeah, there's no, a it's... fine line between pushing somebody and, and educating them and, and making them go through a process if they're willing and able versus not even trying because most people don't want to change. Of course, of course. And, I, you know, I always, on, on eval day, I always say, listen, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give you my all. I'm going to give you my best. All right. Whatever happens, happens after that. But, you know, that's all you beautiful, can do. Beautiful. Yeah. So what's, what's to come after residency? I don't know, man. I'm a glutton for punishment. I think I might go for my fellowship or I might do my PhD. I, I really don't know, but yeah. I'm a person. I'm a person that likes to get pushed. I, I not even like, I need to get pushed, Nick. I, I need for somebody to like check me, to, to put me in these uncomfortable zones because I can't find them on my own. And it sounds like weird, but like I can't go into uncomfortable zones on my own. I need somebody. So just, just drag me to the pool and just drop me in there. Like I, I need that in my life. So I, I don't know, man. Do you, think you? do you think it's comfortable for you to be uncomfortable? I do. I, I think, I think that's where I, I get comfortable the most. You know, there's a great book that's, that's called uh, being wrong. It's, it's, it's such a good book. I highly recommend it. And it talks about people should 
or not all people, but you should feel comfortable being uncomfortable because when you're wrong, they call it um, stuck between worlds. That, that, that's what the book calls it, stuck between worlds. Because in your one world, you thought you were right. You're like, this is it, man. I know this. I know two plus two is four. But then that other world is like, you know, actually it's not. Like it's, it's actually this. So you're caught between worlds. And at, tho- at those points, those crossroads in life, you have chances to not only grow, but to learn more. So yes, I, I feel comfortable being uncomfortable. More than I'm uncomfortable being comfortable. How about that? Yeah. Do you think you're actually uncomfortable right now? With you? Or no, like, no, well, no, right I now. hope you're not uncomfortable with me. Oh, no, no, no. Because I was going to say, like, I'm learning things from you. So I'm, I'm uncomfortable in a good way because you're giving me this great data, you know, all of these good facts. So I would say no to that. Am I uncomfortable? Am, am I comfortable right now? No, I'm definitely uncomfortable right now because my mentor, great guy, again, Rob Shapiro, he pushes me in these directions. So if I'm more nervous, like I said in the beginning, I'm more nervous when I pass my OCS, what's going to happen then? I'm going to be the dog with the bone and I'm not going to know what to do. And I need mm-hmm. another fix. I need something to scratch that edge. I need something to attain again. And that's what I'm really scared about right now. See me hearing that and, yeah. and knowing where I'm coming from and, yeah, and thinking yeah. about these concepts of being comfortable and, and uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 I, I get what you're saying. Like I am uncomfortable right now in fellowship. There's yeah, yes. many things on my plate. There's different challenges that have to be. Yeah, dude. But at the same time, really looking at it, I am comfortable. What do you mean? I'm comfortable because there's guidance, because there's somebody pushing me, because okay. I don't have to push myself. Okay. Because somebody is forcing me to do these things because this is just part of what you do in mm-hmm. this position. So in that case, I am comfortable. And I am, I tell you what, I am not going to do anything else after fellowship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not that not that I'm just going to be a regular staff PT, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to seek the the next structural ideology education to push me forward. I got you. So, yeah. and I'm that's making me so uncomfortable. Is yeah, not so right. have, and not having that guidance and being on my own. But you know what? Yeah. Hmm. I think I really need that. Yeah, to, to comfortably be uncomfortable. Now, let me ask you this. Since you're, you know, it's, it's almost like you're the future me from one year right now, right? Because I'm probably going to follow this exact same path. What did you feel like when you were done with the residency, the OCS? Did you feel like I, I felt The same now? way that you feel right now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The so same it's, it's, way that you feel yeah, right now. It's interesting, yeah. But it's interesting that you feel that after your fellowship. I think, Nick, and I, I love you to death, I think you're gonna find something after your fellowship that you need. I think you're gonna need. I think you're gonna need a new itch. I think so. I, I, and I'm I not saying that. I'm not saying that negatively. I'm not saying that negatively. I'm saying that positively because we're really, you know, two sides of the same coin. We we need that stimulus, man. Whether it's being a incredible therapist and you're implementing your things, I think there's gonna be a need for something else. 
there's definitely going to be something else, but yeah. from, from the standpoint of like a, a big commitment of a PhD or a PsyD uh-huh. okay. or I don't know, an SCS or anything like that. Nah, not no, right no. now. I, yeah, I gotcha. it, it, it might be in the future. Yeah. 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 It might be. And like one of my goals is to be a, a teacher within the PT mm-hmm. profession and same yeah to do that like I'm gonna have to get probably another degree if we're we're really being honest with each other but it's not gonna happen right now because of course yeah I need to focus more on the patients and the day-to-day and being in the here and now I need to focus mm-hmm. on the podcast a little bit more and learning in that sense I've been slacking personally on mm-hmm. it a little bit and I, I want to put more into that mm-hmm. so there's like there's pluses and minuses to it. Yeah, and, listen, everything's a sacrifice, right? And I think you bring up a good point. You're like, where were you at when I was in the situation where you're at? Yeah, like what would you recommend to me when like when you when I finish my OCS and you finished your OCS, what would you recommend me do that you didn't do that you should have done? No, so I have no regrets for where I'm at right now. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm saying in that moment. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But at times I do have some, some feelings of what would it be like if I didn't push for fellowship right away? Yeah. Because fellowship has been great and I have been learning so much and I've been punched in the face so much. Yeah, exactly. With, with everything that I don't even think I understand how much I've grown thus far. Like I'm, I'm, I've been beaten down so much. Yeah, I feel no, like I, get I it, am man. almost worse off than when I started. But I, I guess I know I'm not. And and man. my mentors are telling me that I'm not. Like I, I I know that, but sometimes that's the feeling. Yeah. So I think what I'm trying trying to articulate is that the uncomfortability is nice. Yeah. But finding out who you are as that PT and really building that foundation and that knowledge, mm-hmm. really implementing it is a whole nother ball game. Yeah. Yeah. Which you can do in both scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. You know, that's that's something that I also think about as well. You know, I'm so hyped up on, uh, I guess, like searching for the next thing and, and, and going for this and going for that. That sometimes I might just be missing the point of it all, right? The point of it all is to get to be a better therapist for your patients. And that's one of my also biggest fears. Just keep hustling and grinding and going and looking down this narrow path and you're not seeing the surroundings. And the surroundings are the most important part, right? Well, I'll tell you this. With my goal for fellowship was to do what you're doing with with residency right now, where mm-hmm. the the fire hose worth of information that you get and you're trying to piece that out and put it into one simplistic picture for each individual complex person that comes in. Yeah. Right. And I can honestly say that I can do that now and I'm learning how to do that better and I'm making steps forward. But you know, the old adage, the more, you know, the more you realize that you really don't Don't know know anything. Yeah, I know. I know you're right. That, that is so it's true. true right now. And that's why I'm feeling a little bit, not lost, but a little bit like behind with where I was maybe confidence wise from before, because really? I'm understanding things at a little bit more of a depth than I did in residency. And because of that, I'm seeing faults 
in my practice and I'm seeing oh, the way see things are doing and I'm seeing I'm seeing that there, things aren't this all this pie in the sky thing and I've been getting a little bit maybe not cynical but just getting the real world picture of what this really means yeah yeah no I get you it's almost like they say you know never meet your hero right because it's not going to let you down I was gonna let you down, right? It, that that's a good point, man. I think that's uh, I think that's a really, that's a really good point. You know, yeah. it's something that I really haven't been able to connect until literally right now. So, <laughs> well, I'm, glad, I'm glad I, I'm glad I influenced you on that one. Cool. No, it's 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 definitely true. I, I I do agree. The more the more you know, the more you find out. You really don't know anything. That's it's really good. Right. Yeah. So so be careful with that. Yeah. No, absolutely. And that that's something that I'm I'm making sure of that 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 doesn't happen you know to not lose sight of the real end game of this right so you know to to help patients right that's right. the end game right you know and that's where i came up with that scenario of yeah you get that pt that just puts hot packs and stim on yeah. the person that's because they're looking at the end game yeah they yeah it's true and they're not you clouded know? by all the thousands of things that you could do because now i can do like there, there can be so many thought processes going on in my mind, but that's the hard part of being able to yeah. funnel it down and having your priority list and going down the priority list and not getting lost in the sauce. Yeah. It's like the ignorance is bliss, right? You know, right. it's like, oh, this is making them feel good. That's fine. You know, it's like, but what about A, B, C, D, E, F? You know, it's like, well, right, right. You know, do I really so need good. to clean up that first rib or like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's I guess we just need to relax the upper trap. <laughs> You know, like, I don't know. Like, let's see. I don't know. Uh, How long is the fellowship out of curiosity? I'm sorry. Mine is a year. They're all different. They're all different. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Is is it like what you did with the OCS? Like somebody comes in and talks to you and all that jazz and watches you or is it something different? Um, so it's, it's housed within one of our outpatient clinics here at Ohio state. And I have two mentors on site. And okay. I have one mentor offsite that comes in every once in a while. And okay. it's essentially the same thing from, from the mentoring standpoint. Okay. Gotcha. At least from my residency, I just got to pick and choose like whoever mentor wise, I thought in whatever yeah. time and whatever patient, like I get free, whatever I get mentoring. Got it, got so it, got it. that part's cool. It's, it's evolved obviously because I've evolved from residency, but then I also teach Within our residency program, I oh, do sweet. a cool. orthopedic skills lab that I run every Thursday. That's cool. So we go over some techniques and, and tricks and, nice. and manual things and also just examination things and what to look nice. for. Nice. So that's been fun. And then I'm also teaching within the PT school. Cool. Um, and then Monday Whoop. mornings are really fun. Why are those? Monday mornings are so people like all across Ohio State. They're like we obviously have our we have like our teams or whatever, like the knee team or the hip team or the shoulder team, like the, the okay. big like just groups that like have their own agendas and things that they're pushing forward with research mm-hmm. and things like that. And whatever module I'm on for the fellowship, like we just go through each body region orthopedic wise. I get is that with is that with students? No, it's oh, it's just you. It's a oh, that's sick. It's a one-on-one hour to two-hour presentation with. Oh wow! And the fun thing is, like, I get to present to them as well, and they get to to grade me on my presentations to them. So, like, if we're talking lumbar spine, 
I'd like maybe get like lumbar spine differential and lumbar spine examination be presented to me, but then I have to present lumbar treatment to them. It's really cool. That, that, that reminds me of what my mentor told me. He goes like, if you're ever going to do something like in general in life, but obviously he was talking about physical, but he mm-hmm. says, do it with purpose, right? You know, like don't just feel and just don't talk, like talk with a purpose. The purpose of being like, let's explain this. Or like when you're touching the patient and you're touching the knee, what are you actually feeling? That's really cool. And you get like one or two hours of just like doing it with purpose. That's right. really, really cool. That, also, that almost reminds me of what we did in, in grad school, right? We had like those labs, those three-hour labs. We talked about one thing. We went over the tests and all that jazz. That's really cool. Yeah, no, it's good. And I, I learn a lot from it and it takes yeah. a whole heck of a lot of time because they're yeah, but long-ass presentations and I don't want to do them like yeah. shit. And, but it's it's so worth it. And I, I, I learn so much more from the presentations that I give than the presentations that I just take in and, and get presented to me. So it's, it's does, been fun from that side. Does the fellowship have a, a state, ex- like a, like a, like a, a exam at the end or no? So it, it depends on what kind of fellowship accreditation you're going for. If the, the one that's most recognized within, uh, within America right now is AOMS. Oh yeah, I the, uh, yeah, the thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. American Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapists. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what our residency is. And with that, there's there's this end test. It's called the OSCE, and it's uh, like a combination of three different tests. That like one of them's a, a written test, one of them's a uh, skills based test, and another one's a, a patient case. And mm-hmm. with that, they grill you on like all of the different things from the whole year of whether it's hands-on skills because it's an orthopedic manual fellowship, right? So yeah, yeah. it's not just hands-on cracking necks, cracking backs, doing all that stuff. Like that's important, but that's, I'd say that's about 25 to 30%. Yeah. I was going to give it, I was going to give it less than that, but <laughs> the other parts, the orthopedic part, which is just the complex case yeah, scenarios sure. and dealing with multiple pathologies and differential huh. stuff. So it's fun though. It's no, it sounds fun. I was just curious to know, like, what, like, after the residency, what could they possibly, you know, test you on? You know, in the residency, you're getting tested on manual. You're getting tested on questions. Like, what else is there? You're getting mm-hmm. tested on, on complex cases, but it just seems like they're doing that again. <laughs> they're doing that again, and they're doing that with a finer tooth comb and a lot more detail and a lot more not complexity but just a lot like a lot more variables that you have to to deal with and go through so it's it's been from fun from that standpoint it's going to be hard to pass the test but you know it'll be done you know i mean yeah at the end of the day you know like in all honesty like i always think about this like like what if you didn't pass the test like you're still you right it's just a test you know right that, I mean, that's what I mean. That's another story I'll talk about another day. I feel life, you know, and I'm just gonna go live in the cave somewhere, and that's about it. But yeah, I'm still me in the cave. <laughs> yeah, but um, that's something I always think about. Like you know, like people can take tests. You know, people can pass tests. It's very easy to pass a test, but that doesn't like prove that you know it. Doing it and make, making people better prove you doing it. So exactly. um, that's interesting. That's interesting how they want you to take a test like that. I don't know. That, that's but. I could talk about that for ages. So it is. Yeah, that it's one. just the thing. It's just the thing to do. But yeah, I guess it. Well, I've really enjoyed our conversation tonight. 
Thanks, Nick. Yeah. I really did too, man. I'm, 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 I hope you, if I hope you got something out of this and I hope you kind of, I mean, I don't know if I sound different, but I'm curious to know from the first time I was on to now, I'm curious to know if my mentality or my ideology has changed in any way. So you've definitely grown. Yeah. It, it's yeah. so easy to see how, how much you've grown. Is it? Yeah. Because like what you just said, like, I don't, I, I think I'm getting worse. You know, I feel like I'm thinking about more of these things. I'm like, you know, like, ah, you know, I should have done that. But it's, it's interesting to hear somebody else hear me on what we're talking about. You know what I mean? Right. And hey, you can go back and listen to your first one and cringe if you want. Yeah, yeah exactly. I should do that. Absolutely. That's why they're there. But, but thank you so much for having me on, Nick. I really do appreciate that. I appreciate, you know, and Maybe another six months when I start the fellowship, we could talk another again. Of course, let's do it, man. I'm, I'll pencil yeah. you in right now. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Cool. It was good to talk to you. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll Thank talk you to you guys next time. Peace. Peace.